Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and I'm the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we talk to Amy Clark, who is a final year medical student at Cardiff, and Dr. Catherine Hughes, who is a GP and senior clinical lecturer at Prime Centre Wales, which is also at the School of Medicine at Cardiff University. And the paper is Accuracy of the Nice Traffic Light System in Children Presented to General Practice, a Retrospective Cohort Study. Now, we know that the NICE traffic light system is widely used in general practice for the assessment of unwell children, but the evidence base, as you will hear, is far from clear. I started by asking Amy to tell us a little bit more about this study and to summarise what they did and the findings. Yeah, absolutely. So our paper was all about this traffic light system, which, as you know, was created by NICE with the aim of helping GPs and clinicians to really identify which children are at that high risk of being seriously ill. So the aim of our paper was to kind of pick that apart and actually see how well does it identify children with a serious illness. The traffic light system is composed of the green, amber and red categories. So what we wanted to do was to see whether these correspond with that serious illness and hospital admission within the seven days of that GP consultation. And essentially what we found is that it doesn't really have that accuracy of identifying those children. So neither can it identify children that are seriously ill, but it also can't identify children that are not seriously ill. So really, we conclude that actually the traffic light system is not fit for purpose as a clinical decision tool. It cannot actually identify those children or exclude those children. And we think that really it it means that it should either be replaced or updated to kind of help GPs make those referral decisions a lot more accurately. Yeah, beautiful summary there. Thank you, Amy. It's worth lingering on the the past evidence a little, isn't it? What was obviously nice introduced this uh, quite a number of years ago now, and certainly it's been there most of my clinical career. Um, what, what what evidence has been used? Or what do we know already? Yeah, so you make a great point. The traffic light system was actually created fifteen years ago, so it has been around for a really long time. And in that time, there hasn't been much evidence at all backing up this clinical tool. So what we do know is that there are a lot of studies done in emergency departments to see how well does this tool perform within those A&E and assessment unit settings. But actually, there's been almost zero evidence for it in general practice, which we as a research team found really surprising, especially given that it's recommended for general practice, it's used in general practice, and yet there is no evidence for its use in general practice. There was one study that we found that did evaluate the traffic light system but this was a really small study of around 500 children in the Netherlands about I think 10 years ago or so and that's really the only piece of evidence that we found so this is why we believe the paper is so important because it really fills in that research gap there. I think um, it brilliantly illustrates as well how we just take certain things as as you know as read as received wisdom and we don't really think about what we're doing so it's so ingrained the nice traffic light system in audits and learning and evaluations and all sorts of ways. And yet the evidence is really not there at all. Tell us a little bit more about what you did in, in detail. Yeah. Yeah. So we did a, a retrospective analysis. So we got a data set of children, around 7,000 children who were presenting to general practice with an acute illness. And what we were able to do was look back on their signs and symptoms within that data set to categorize them as green, amber, and red. And this enabled us to see what would they have been categorized as at that time of GP consultation. But what obviously we really wanted to know was, were they seriously ill? 
And in order to answer that question, we linked that general practice data to hospital data to see where they admitted and if they were admitted, what was their end diagnosis? Were they seriously ill? So after we did that, we were then able to see of the children that were seriously ill, were they categorized as red, were they amber or were they green? And then that enables to calculate the sensitivity and the specificity of the traffic light system. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the results then. Yes, so the results. Essentially, the results showed that it had a very poor sensitivity and specificity. So as you can probably see in the abstract, the sensitivity was just 58% and the specificity was, I think, between 68 and 69%. And actually, it's quite unusual for the specificity to be higher than the sensitivity in a screening tool like this. Um, Ideally, you'd want it the other way around. But essentially, the results showed that it just did not have that accuracy and essentially had very little use in discriminating between these high-risk, seriously ill children and children that weren't seriously ill. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that was when you used the, well, that's when you compared the red to the amber and the green, wasn't it? And some and nice, the nice guidance does suggest that you could admit, at least we would consider admitting uh, children in the amber category. So I know that you also calculated with red and amber versus green, and that had slightly different results, but um, tell us yes. about those. Yeah, exactly. So when we combined those red and amber categories, which, as you point out, the guidelines say could mean a referral to hospital or might not be. When we combine those, the sensitivity increased to 100%, which sounds great. But actually, when you look at the specificity, it fell to just 6%. And, you know, what that actually means is that only 6% of those children were categorised as green. Therefore, you can only confidently send home 6% of your patients. and I mean, I'm not a clinician yet, and I think that would be quite frustrating to only safely send home just 6% of the patients you see. It's just not not useful at all. Yeah, no, clearly. And um, absolutely uh, not not a lot of practical value in that regard. It's worth pointing out there was something like 6,703 acutely unwell children, but really only a very small number were um, uh, seriously unwell in this data set. And that's part of the difficulty here, isn't it? Exactly. That's one of the biggest difficulties, not just in day to day practice, but also in research settings as well. You know, general practice is such a low prevalence setting for serious illness. Just 0.3% of the patients here were seriously ill. And that makes it so hard to create a tool that can accurately identify those. And on a day to day basis, it's really challenging for clinicians. But we find it really interesting to be able to put a figure on that number. So if you look into the literature, um, it's quite unknown as to what that prevalence is of serious illness in general practice. A lot of studies are performed in the emergency department, where obviously the prevalence is much higher. So we were really pleased to be able to actually give a figure for that and to almost reassure clinicians that it is a really rare outcome, but at the same time, it it makes their job a lot harder. Yeah. And I think we're always going to send more than three in a thousand children up to the paediatric assessment unit because we can't necessarily tell they're unwell entirely in primary care. So the specificity is never going to be perfect in that regard. But um, I might bring you in here, Cathy. Tell us a little bit more about the implications now for how this is. For I mean, for it's an impressive paper. I mean, I, really exploring an area which has been woefully under-researched um, quite clearly, as Amy has pointed out here. Uh, where do we go next with this? Yeah, well, I think, as Amy points out, this study really highlights some of the difficulties that GPs face when they're assessing ill children. You know, I mean, serious illness is thankfully uncommon, but most children in general practice can be safely managed at home. 
But the difficulty is spotting those few that need the extra assessment in hospital among the many that don't. Um, and, and as Amy says, we've shown that the traffic light tool can't can't accurately identify those children with serious illness. And so GPs shouldn't rely on this to make their clinical decisions. Um, you know, as Amy said, a lot of the children, 30% were categorised as red and the system just wouldn't work if GPs sent that many people, children into hospital. Um, in actual fact, in our cohort, we found that GPs only sent less than 2% of children into hospital. So it suggests that they're not fully following the traffic light system in any case. Um, but it, it's worth noting that even if all the red children were sent to hospital, 40% of children with serious illness would still be missed. Um, I mean, I think it's worth saying it, it, we did find that those that were categorised as green, G, GPs can be confident in managing those at home um, as none of them had serious illness. But this applied to only 6% of all the children that they saw, as a, Amy pointed out. So I guess what should GPs do if they can't use this tool? Like that, you know, um, I, I think safety netting is obviously standard for most GP encounters anyway, especially with children. So they should obviously carry on doing that. Um, as I say, it, it doesn't look like GPs are fully following the traffic light system in any case. So they're obviously using their clinical judgment. So clearly that they carry on with that. But one thing I would say is that in our earlier work, we found that um, abnormal vital signs were most commonly associated with referral to hospital. And, and a lot of the tools used in hospitals focus on vital signs. So I think until we find a tool which performs well in general practice, it's worth continuing to sort of measure and document vital signs. Um, you, you know, that, that, that would be sensible, I think. I think one of the things that I would say, having been a clinician, I mean, just a little bit over 15 years, but not that much over, is that um, it, the, the recording of those vital signs in children has changed a lot in those last 15 or 20 years. It didn't get used to get done at all, really. It was something that we didn't consider, like capillary refill, respirate pulse rate we didn't document those routinely 15 20 years ago and maybe this has the, the nice traffic light system really has pushed us towards that and so i'm not sure that's that's entirely a bad thing and the other thing i always noted about the nice traffic light system is there is a bit of a catch-all in the red as well which is just appears ill to a health professional yeah. and that and that i wonder is why as well that no one has complained too much about the traffic light yeah. system because it always had a bit of a get out of jail free card for the clinician that was just worried that you could you the, the nice traffic light system still allowed you to be within the system and send children to the hospital if you were concerned. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, that, that clinical judgment and gut feeling are always going to be important. And whatever tool that hopefully can be developed that works better, I, th I think it always needs that, doesn't it? Um, you know, that there's been some research that has looked at gut feeling and shown that, you know, it is important to take notice of that. So I, I think you're right, right on that. What about sort of um, point of care testing? Any thoughts on that at this point? I mean, I think there's a few future research directions and, you know, the use of point of care tests is something that we could explore for general, you know, to assess ill children in general practice. Um, I think, you know, studies in emergency departments and hospital settings have shown that CRP and procalcitonin might be useful. So I think, you know, exploring the use of those would, would be interesting. I mean, obviously, as well as determining if those sorts of tests help to identify serious illness in children, you also need to consider whether they're acceptable to GPs and patients because it, it would be an invasive test. And obviously there's cost and 
uh, time implications, but I think that would be interesting. Really, what we need is to find an accurate tool that can identify the majority of the children that can be managed at home, but also identify those children that have a serious illness and, and need that extra assessment in hospital. And, and it needs to be quite a simple tool. The traffic light system is quite complicated as well as obviously not working. But there were 45 different symptoms and signs that we had to match in a, in a five minute GP, 10 minutes, sorry, 10, 10 minute GP consultation. You, you, you can't you can't do that, really. Um, and so I think we need a simple tool, ideally with objective measures. And I think it's a case of either finding an existing tool which works also in a general practice setting or developing a new one. We're actually currently working with some researchers in Liverpool to validate two other um, scores, the um, National Pews and the LQ SOFA scores. So they were developed for use in emergency departments and hospitals, but we're going to see if they work any better in our, in our GP cohort. It may be that we can't find a tool that works because the, the population in general practice, as Amy said, is so different. You know, we had 0.3% had serious illness in our cohort compared with, say, 7% typically in an emergency department. So we might just have to develop a new one using GP data. But because of the low incidence of serious illness, we need large data sets. So one thing we're exploring is whether we can combine um, multiple data sets to do, to do that work. It's certainly an area for development, clearly been demonstrated here. Um, I'm going to come back to you, Amy, for the final word. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this was um, your final year medical student. Fantastic bit of research to kick off your career. And I don't know if you've got any more research planned. Any other final thoughts from yourself? Yeah, I think just to kind of really highlight the, the importance, I guess, of this, this study, just to show that you know, you shouldn't just take for granted, you know, this guideline says this and therefore you should do X, Y, Z and to really look beneath that evidence and actually see how did they create these guidelines. And as we've shown here, the nice traffic light system, it's been around for 15 years and we've shown that it just doesn't do what it says on the tin. It's just not accurate. And there really more, so much more work needs to be done in this field, especially in general practice, to help clinicians spot those children that are at risk of serious illness and to confidently send home those that are not at risk of a serious illness, I think. It is a terrible cliche, but more research is needed. Of and course. it's very much needed yeah. here. <laughs> Amy, Kathy, thank you both very much. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.org. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.